Welcome to Bible Center Church, and thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We pray that the Lord speaks to you as you hear from His Word today. Welcome back, Bible Center family. It's great to have you back here for another Sunday. My goodness, what an opportunity we had uh, to worship the Lord. My heart is full. I'm sure your heart is full as well. Be sure to invite your friends, invite your family, invite your coworkers. I'm going to invite all my coworkers to come back next Sunday for this, uh, what we experience. Some of you will get that about lunchtime. Uh, but we're looking forward to continuing to worship and grow in both of our service, our modern service here at 11 and our multi-generational service at 9 o'clock. My family and I have been on vacation, uh, so we're out two Sundays, and of course we miss our hometown, we miss our friends, miss our family, but we miss you uh, whenever we're gone. So it is so great to be back and glad you're back as well. This is a family conversation. So on Sundays, uh, what we do is we gather every Sunday to, if you're new here to Bible Center, we gather to learn from God's Word and to encourage one another in the faith. Uh, and so if you're new to us, we'd love to have you become part of our family, stick around, continue to grow in Jesus. Let us know how we can help you take a step uh, in your spiritual journey. We've got a lot of work to do and uh, not a lot of time to do it. So go ahead and open up your Bible or Bible app to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. While you're turning there, uh, last Sunday we started this new series. Pastor Mike launched uh, with an unbelievable message on the gospel, our first value. And if you haven't had, yet had a chance to hear his message, you can go back and do that through the podcast or the app. Uh, or the website. I've now listened to it twice, and it is a blessing just explaining, unpacking for us what we mean by saying we value uh, the gospel. And so this morning, we're going to jump into this aspect of learning. And so I'd like to ask you to imagine with me your neighbor texts you while you're in church. And your neighbor asks you to, hey, as soon as you get home from church, can we talk? Something really, really good happened today. And so you're not really sure what it is, and you know, you've known that neighbor maybe for a while. So you go home, you're, you go to the buffet bar, then you go home, and your neighbor comes over when they see you pull in the driveway, and your neighbor tells you, you they have accepted Jesus as their Savior. They've put their faith in Christ, and they know that you're one of the few Christians on your street, and so they can't wait to tell you the decision that they've made, but they have a ton of questions. And so you look at your neighbor and say, what questions you know, come to your mind? What do you want to ask? Imagine that your neighbor asks, how does Jesus want me to live now that I'm a Christian? What's okay and what's not okay? Maybe they say, I have some habits that control me that probably don't please the Lord. How can I stop those habits? If I want to start reading the Bible, where should I start reading the Bible? And if I do start reading it, how in the world am I going to understand it? I've heard that the Bible teaches that you're not allowed to eat bacon or get your ears pierced or have a tattoo. What do I do if the Bible says that? Imagine your neighbor telling you about what they've seen on the news this past week and what they've read or what they've seen in their feed, the, the shootings in Ohio and, and the shootings in El Paso. And, and, and they ask you, I believe in Jesus, but what does the Bible have to say about that? What would you say? How would you respond? There's a thousand other questions that your neighbor might ask. And I ask those questions hypothetically just to get us thinking or to remind us that it is important that even though we've accepted Jesus, that we never stop learning. 
And so for the next few minutes, I'm going to preach on this aspect of learning and explain why it's important that we constantly learn and constantly grow in God's Word. And then I'm going to tell you what God wants you to primarily learn or at least where to start. And then before we're done, I'm going to give you some practical pointers, some things, some tools that will help you learn to take your next step in the learning process wherever you find yourself in this journey of faith. So let's go ahead and read the first two verses of 2 Peter chapter 1. Will you stand with me out of respect for the Bible? And we'll begin this journey and see what Peter, his words inspired by God, has for us today. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. The first issue, or the first question I said we would address is why? Why is it so important uh, that we learn? Well, the issue of identity helps answer that question. And so we ask the, the question, as one who has put my faith in Jesus, who am I? The answer to that question actually speaks to the why. If you'll look with me in verses 1 and 2, he gives us at least four identity markers. Peter begins by telling us who we are in Jesus. We have this gift of faith. Faith is a gift, just like grace is a gift. We've received the righteousness of Christ. Verse 1, Jesus lived the perfect life. We did not live the perfect life. But when he died on the cross, he took our punishment and gave us his righteousness. We call that the great exchange. Verse 2 teaches that we have the grace of Christ. We have peace with Christ. But for the rest of our time this morning, I'm going to really emphasize this aspect that we are to grow in the knowledge of Christ. Peter reminds his first century group of believers that they were born again, but not to stop. They were born again to grow in the knowledge of God and Jesus Christ our Lord. We could say it this way, we learn because Jesus has made us learners. The New Testament word for learner is the word that we often use as disciple. Who am I? Now that I've put my faith in Jesus, I am a disciple, a student a learner of Jesus. In the first century, a disciple was someone who traveled with a master to, to learn from them and to be with them. We think of it in our day much like an apprenticeship or a mentorship. The disciples of Jesus followed him. They lived with him for almost three years. They talked with him and walked with him, and they got to know him personally, but they also received his information. And now 2,000 years later, the only thing that has changed is his physical presence. We walk with Jesus, we talk with Jesus, and we still receive his information. John chapter 8 and verse 31, John writes, To those who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you really are my disciples. So why does God invite us to continue learning, to continue to go deeper in our discipleship? Peter's going to give us five reasons, and they're quick reasons, but they're important. First of all, number one, why does God invite me to continue learning? Well, knowing him 
is the main reason reason Jesus saved me. Knowing him is the main reason Jesus saved me. In verse 3, Peter writes, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by our own glory and goodness. There are many, many things that God wants us to know now that we are believers. But the number one thing that God wants you to know is in verse 3, and it's him. John 17, 3 says, Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. One of the joys of preaching to a congregation like Bible Center is that this is an educated congregation. You can pat yourself on the back this morning. You're a smart group of people. And so anytime any of us step into this pulpit, we know that we've got to be ready because you've done your homework, not only professionally in your career, but many of you have studied the Bible for years. And if you're new to the faith and you're new to church, you're going to get to know some really, really, really great people who know God's Word. But when you think about the knowledge of the Bible, here's my fear for a congregation like Bible Center. I love you. It is a joy to be your pastor. But I hear a lot of talk here among our congregation about how much we know about Bible history and Bible prophecy and Bible charts and the dates of the kings of Israel and how many names or how many angels can fit on the head of a pen. But all I wish that we heard so much more about the knowledge of Jesus Christ. May God help us. Will you join me? May God help us be a congregation that is more passionate about the person of Jesus than about winning an argument of prophecy. You see, he's given us so much, a whole book to know about Christ. Why does God invite me to continue learning about Jesus? Number two, he deeply cares about my overall well-being. Verse four, Peter says, through these... He has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you might participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Peter is not saying that we become divine the moment we put our faith in him. We are not gods. We are not even little gods. We are human. We are broken But by partaking of the divine nature, he's referring to the fact that the Spirit of God comes and lives inside of us the moment we put our faith in Christ. And it's that Spirit who who lives within us, who who seeks to keep us pure and, and guides us and helps us to apply God's Word and make godly decisions and prick our conscience when when we're about to make mistakes, we're about to make wrong choices, about to give in to our sinful nature. And so he writes here and he says, hey, keep learning, church. Keep pursuing the knowledge of Christ because in so doing, you're actually going to fare better than if you don't. He's not promising, of course, an easy life, but he is saying keep yourself from the corruption of evil and learning will help you do that. I've talked about my dog way too much. You know that, but I just can't help myself I was thinking about how we try to keep queso from drinking out of the commode. Now, we have a downstairs bathroom, 
and Queso like doesn't really bother any other bathrooms except the downstairs bathroom, and he loves to try to catch the door open or the commode lid up to drink out of the commode. And now you come to my house, you're like not going to let the dog lick you, and I wouldn't either. But we're like, Queso, stop drinking out of the toilet. And in verse 4, that's, it's God is saying, look, I've given you the knowledge of Christ, so you will stop drinking from the toilet of life. So pursue knowledge. Pursue Christ to this end. It's not just to get smart, but it's so that you might live pure. He deeply cares about our overall well-being. Number three, why does God invite me to continue learning about Jesus? Well, it's the only way I can impact others for Jesus over a long period of time. It's the only way I can impact others for Jesus over a long period of time. Notice verse 8. Verses 3 and 4 and verses 8 through 11 form the why. We're going to get to the what in a minute. But verse 8 continues with this thought of the why. For if you possess these qualities, in increasing measure they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you ever met an older believer, an older Christian who's walked with Jesus for a long time? And they're not perfect, nobody is. But have you ever been around an older, more seasoned, mature believer who, who loves the Lord and they love God's word and they're very aware of their sin? Those people are great to be around. We have a lot of them in our church. I was thinking this week about one. Many of you may not know him. His name is uh, Dan Polly. And, and Dan Polly has been at Bible Center for years, a number of years. Uh, he's not going to mind, but I looked up how old he is in our database. He's 82 uh, years old, or almost 82. But da Dan is one of these guys who's constantly inviting people to Jesus. He carries those gospel tracts that Pastor Mike wrote, the, the 10 gospel words. He carries them everywhere. I fell in love with Dan shortly after I got here when I realized that I heard a story that Dan was down in Alum Creek at the post office, and he heard two men from another local church making racial jokes. And they thought it was hilarious. And Dan stops. Now, again, he's in his, his 80s. He stops, sticks his finger in their face, and he says, that is not acceptable. Shame on you. I thought, man, that's, I want to be Dan when I grow up. That's just, that's just awesome. Uh, Dan actually mows a number of grasses, you know, the grass of our, the yards of our elderly folks. I asked Dan, you know, why do you do this? You know, I didn't say, dude, you're 82, but why do you do this? He goes, well, you got to take care of the elderly. Um, that's Dan. Why does he do this? Well, he's walked with Jesus and for a long time, and he's continuing to press in and lean in to God's Word. How do we live like this for a long time? It's not going to happen if dust collects on our Bibles. It's not going to happen if we spend two hours on Facebook and no time in God's Word. It will not happen. Why else do we read and study and learn about Jesus? Number four. It's the only way to have an ongoing assurance of my salvation. It's the only way to have an ongoing assurance of my salvation. Notice verses 9 and 10. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. The scriptures are very clear. There has never been anybody 
to be in the palm of Jesus' hand by grace, to put their faith in Jesus Christ genuinely that has been able to remove themselves from his hand or let somebody else remove them from his hand. There's never been anybody. The scriptures teach you are sealed into the day of redemption. So the issue here is not a matter of are we secure in Christ. That's already settled. That's another sermon, but it's already settled in God's word. The issue is do we feel secure in Christ? Do we feel confident? Do we have assurance in our hearts of what God says is objectively true in his word? That is the issue. You see, we can say from God's word that a Christian can't lose his or her salvation. But we also have to be honest to say that there are times of our life where we don't feel saved. We don't feel as though that there's any possible way we could be on our way to heaven or that God would love the likes of us. And so Peter writes here, and he acknowledges that there's those seasons in our life. And he says, in order to fight those seasons, you've got to press into knowledge. You've got to press into this, not just this head full of facts, but this relationship with the Word of God and relationship with the person of God, letting the Spirit of God take His Word and change you from the inside out. And I can't explain it. It's not magic, but it is spiritual. When you do that, the Spirit of God gives you this peaceful assurance that you are His and He is yours. So learn, pursue knowledge, lean in. Number five, why else does God want us to continue learning about Jesus? Well, he promises to reward me for it in heaven. In verse 11, he, he just, it's hard to explain. Paul and, and, and or Peter, in verse 11, he just jumbles a bunch of words together, and he's trying to put like exclamation points at the end of them. He, he, he's trying to just, Quickly say, you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's for another day, another message. But essentially he's saying, if you want rich reward. Now, heaven alone is reward. But if you want rich reward, the New Testament from cover to cover teaches that, that we receive rewards as believers. And he's saying, if you want rewarded, Pursue the knowledge of Christ. Don't let your Christianity just be about what you do on Sunday or, or what you, you might do twice a month. Let your Christianity be about a day-to-day -day relationship with God in His Word, letting Him be the Lord of your life. As a believer in Jesus, what does God want me to learn more about? There's a lot of discussion about the Bible and its weight of importance. Some would say, well, there's no part of the Bible more important than another. And when people say that, I typically understand what they mean. It's, there's no part of the Bible more inspired than any other part of the Bible. But there are parts of the Bible where God says it's more important right now that you learn this instead of this. Paul did that in 1 Corinthians 15. Paul says, I want you to learn the gospel. This Corinthian church was all jacked up. And he says, I want you, right now I want you, church, to focus on the gospel. So 1 Corinthians 15 was written to believers, and he says, this is of first importance. 
In other words, I don't want you to learn in everything else right now. I want you to learn in the gospel. Peter does that here. Peter's about to give us a list. This list isn't a list of good works that gets us to heaven or, or a list that's exhaustive by any means. But Peter knew what this particular first century church needed. And he says, I want you to add these things. I want you to learn these things in your faith. Notice verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. Now, if you're taking notes, make every effort means to apply all diligence with all the strength you can muster. You've got a barbell weighted up, right? You're just about to give up, and your, your friend says, you know, go for it. Try a little harder. Come on, man, you can do this. It's this idea of, of putting all your weight, throwing all your weight into something. Make every effort. That alone, we could just stop there. Make every effort to learn. We make every effort for so many other things in our lives. Why could we not make every effort to grow in our faith? And then he says, add to your faith. Add to your faith. This idea of adding is not a math term. Sometimes in translation, ideas get lost. This is not a math term. It means to learn these things, to study these things to focus on these things, to make these things a priority. I learned this week that in Greek culture, this word was used by teachers, theater directors, and choir directors. Teachers use this word to tell their students to learn the subject at hand. Students, learn. Theater directors use this word to teach, make sure their actors learn their lines. Don't come to practice without having your lines memorized. Choir and music directors use this word to make sure their choirs and orchestras learn their music. And so when Peter says, make every effort, he's saying, let us as a church give our whole hearts to learning these things. What things, Peter? What things do you want us to learn? What's important that we learn? Well, number one, he says in verse 5, goodness. Learn goodness. Learn how to live a virtuous and morally ex excellent life. Virtue, excellence. Think Captain America without the superpowers. A morally excellent, good person. Are you known at work for being a good person? Are you known in your neighborhood for being a good person? Not perfect. None of us are. Are you known in your family for just being good? Are you, those of you who, who have brothers and sisters and you still live at home, are you good to your brothers and sisters? He calls us to learn goodness. And so I would invite you, if this is an area where, where we're struggling, ask G, let's ask the Lord, God, make this true in my life. Help me to study in the scriptures what goodness is about. Namely, let me study your goodness. Number two, he calls us to learn knowledge. He says, add to your faith, goodness, and to goodness, knowledge. This is how to love, understand, and apply the Bible. How to love, understand, and apply the Bible. The word knowledge is used seven times in the book of 2 Peter, and it's used five of those times in chapter 1. This word for knowledge has intellect and relationship both in mind. He's not just saying, fill your head full of facts. 
but no facts, truth, objective truth about God. The reason we have to read it is because we live 2,000 years after Jesus' presence. None of us have seen Jesus, so we have to read it or hear it or listen to it, hear the stories of Christ. So he says, add to your faith this, this idea of knowledge, knowing the facts about Jesus, but also have a relationship with Jesus. One of our shut-ins, I'm not, not sure her age. I wouldn't share her age anyway. I'm not that... Uh, not that dumb, but one of our shut-ins, she's a sweet lady. Her name is Phyllis Eberball. Pastor Richard told me this week that he visits Phyllis about every Wednesday. He goes to her house, and he says she just can't wait for him to get there. She usually has her Bible open, some book that she's reading. And this dear saint, godly saint, will never quit learning until she goes to heaven. She's just soaking it up. She has her list of questions ready for Pastor Richard every time he comes. May God help that to be like us. Do you think you already know everything you need to know about the Bible? Oh, I hope not. Do we know everything there is to know about Jesus? Certainly not. Until our dying breath, may God help us pursue knowledge. May God help us pursue, number three, self-control. Self-control is how to say no to my unhealthy cravings. It refers to holding oneself in. In Peter's day, this word was used of athletes who were to be self-disciplined. A Christian is to control his or her bodily desires rather than to be controlled by them. How are you doing on your self-control? How are you doing managing your money, your time, your sexuality, your food, your words. How are you a person of self-control? If there's an area where you're not controlled, ask the Lord. Lord, help me to study who you are and the character and holiness of Christ so that I might grow in my self-control. We live in a day when you can post anything you want to post. I hear it all the time. People say, I'm an authentic person. I just say whatever comes to my mind. Well, I'm all for authenticity. I really am. I, I, I want to be more authentic. I think authenticity earns trust. But Proverbs 29.11 says this, A fool speaks his mind. So God doesn't call you authentic. He calls you something else if you're the type of person who speaks your mind. We'll let you fill in that blank from Proverbs 29.11. God may be inviting you to study self-control. Number four, perseverance. Perseverance. He says, add to your faith perseverance in verse 6. How to never, ever, ever give up. Perseverance refers to endurance, doing what's right, never giving in to temptation or trial. It's the staying power that will not give in and will not give up. Thankfully, Jesus is the only one who has ever truly persevered. There's not one of us in here that can say we have never given up on something. Not one of us. We, it, when we sin, we're, we're giving up temporarily on the holiness and goodness of God. So thankfully, Jesus came, and he's the only one who we could truly say never, ever gave up. Hebrews 12, 2 says that he endured the cross. That's the same word used here by Peter. He endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now set, set at the right hand of God. Jesus died on the cross. He stayed on the cross. He was buried and rose again because he knew we could never endure like we should. 
That's how any of us have a chance. The message of Bible Center Church is not do better tomorrow than you did today because God will love you more. The heart of Bible Center is what we learned last Sunday. It's the gospel. Jesus is the only one who did better. We put our faith in him. He can begin to change us and transform us over time. But he's the only one to fulfill it. Number five, godliness. He calls us to know and study godliness, how to publicly and privately obey God, to live reverently, loyally, obedient towards God when we're by ourselves and when we're with others. Now, before we're done, let's, let's think for a minute about our culture. If you've grown up around church or you have family members around church, and we use the word godliness, I wonder what comes to your mind. Certain images come to my mind. Sometimes they're good images, and sometimes they're not so good images. Sometimes in godliness in our culture, we think of a certain hairstyle, we think of a certain set of clothing, or we think of maybe a certain car you do drive or you don't drive if you're godly. I had a friend in college, and maybe you've met somebody like this, you know, the kind of the Ned Flanders kind. And, and he had a friend in college who said, well, I don't wear shorts. I was like, well, why don't you wear shorts? That's cool, man. Like, we're all different. We all have our preferences. Preferences are great. But why don't you wear shorts? He's like, I'm trying to show God how much I reverence him. I don't wear shorts. And I was like, dude, you know God sees you in the shower? Like, you just, you know, he does. So, so it's okay if you choose. I'm not going to wear shorts because somebody... But let's, let's get an idea of what does the Bible say about godliness. Romans 14, 17 says, The kingdom of God is not meat and drink. The kingdom of God is not shorts and pants. The kingdom of God is not hairstyles. The kingdom of God is not lights. The kingdom of God is not music. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink. But it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And there's nothing that Satan would love for us to do than to distract us from what godliness really is. Godliness isn't just about what you do or don't do or the man-made rules that you keep. Godliness is about are you like God? And Galatians 5 says God is like this. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. May God help us to learn those things. And it'll take a lifetime to do that. Number six and number seven, God invites us to learn mutual affection. And number seven, love. Mutual affection and love. Mutual affection, how to put others' needs above my own and love. How to have a giving mindset instead of a taking mindset. When you look at all these attributes stacked on top of one another, what scholars agree on is that faith is first on purpose and that love is last on purpose. Now there's some debate about everything in between. Do they interlock? And there's all kinds of theories. We'll ask God when we get to heaven. But what is for sure is that he says faith is the foundation. So we put our faith in Christ and when we add these other virtues to our life and we study them and we learn them, at the top, the apex, the pinnacle of our lives, we become people of brotherly affection and love. 
I want to grow in both of those areas. And I invite you to do the same. And so God calls us to, to pursue that diligently, to study the love and person of Christ, that we might show that character by the way we treat the people around us. One way you can know how you're doing in this area is this. Think of somebody in your life right now with whom you often have conflict. Maybe it's a sibling if you still live at home. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a dorm mate. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a girl. Think of that person. You got that person in your face? I've got that person in my face. I'm not telling you. You're not telling me I'm not. Anyway, so you got the person. Which, what means more to you? Loving that person or winning the argument? What means more to you, loving that person or winning the argument? When we can say we love that person more than we love being right, then we can say we are beginning to learn our Bibles. There's a phrase that's not in your notes, but if you want to write this down or remember it for, for this week, let's learn more so we can love more. Let's learn more so we can love more. That's the goal of learning, not so that you can name all the dates in the Old Testament, but so that you can love the city, love your neighbors, love your family, love the people in your life. How do we go about doing this? There's a number of ways that you can we can grow in our faith. The primary way is, of course, God's Word. He's given us His Word. He's given us His Spirit. He's given us His church. If you don't yet have a study Bible, this is just a, a shameless plug. I want to encourage you to get a study Bible. This is the translation we use here at Bible Center. There's a number of other good transla translations. But study Bible was one of the first tools that God gave me in my Christian life to help me grow and I would encourage you, get you a good study Bible. Even if you don't have one, but just reading God's Word. What I had to do recently, just a little bit of transparency, what I've had to do recently is stop reading my Bible on my phone. Not because I'm a dinosaur, right? And not because, it's because I have focus issues. People who know me know I sometimes have focus issues. So I want to do a thousand things. i got to focus on one thing. And so if I have my phone and I'm reading, I've tried to do this for the last couple of years. You can tune me out if this isn't you. I find that all these notifications pop in and I can't focus for that time on God's Word. So here about a month ago, I bought a Bible. And this is what I'm doing in my devotions. I've started in the book of Matthew, and I just read a few chapters a day, and I'll circle the chapter number when I'm done to know, hey, I've already read that chapter, and I want to go on. If there's another way, if there's something else you're looking for, let us know, but let us get you in God's Word. This is the primary way by which we learn about God. Here at Bible Center, we give you a number of other tools. Our Sunday morning service is another tool. We want you to learn and grow in God's Word. Jumping into a group, we have groups on Sunday that meet just about in every classroom. We can help you find a group. We have classes, core classes. You can read them, watch them all online now. Also attend those core classes. We have a number of other resources on our website. Whatever it is, this week, take a step in your growth. Let's learn more so we can love more. Will you bow and pray with me? Father, I pray that you would help us to grow this week, to learn your word. 
Lord, just as we heard, I pray that we would add to our faith. Like a student knows the subject, like a musician memorizes the music, I pray that we would be a people who would know your revelation, your word for our good. With heads bowed and eyes closed, let me ask you to take a second. Ask the Lord, what's the next step in your learning process that he would have you do? Maybe it's just to start reading your Bible every day. Maybe it's to take a class, just to jump into a group, to check out some of the resources we've recommended. What step does God want you to take? Take a second and ask him, and then I'll pray for you. Father, I thank you for your word. Would you change us into the image of Jesus by the knowledge of Jesus? You've made us learners, so help us learn. Not so we can know more, but so we can love more. I pray for every man, woman, student, and child in this church family. Help us to be a people of the gospel, but help us to be a people who learn. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Once again, thank you for joining us this week. We look forward to serving you in next week's podcast, along with our weekend services every Sunday morning at 9 and 11 a.m.